Tanya Luna. Today's guest is the co-founder and chair of Life Labs Learning, which helps client companies reach their goals faster by teaching managers and teams core leadership skills. She is also the co-author of The Leader Lab, Core Skills to Become a Great Manager Faster. She'll share insights about her work and her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. We empower you. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I am so excited to use this opportunity to get to know you better, but uh, you are just an amazing person. I'm excited to share you with my audience. I'm even more excited to be talking to you. So, well, our, 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 oh, with our excitement you. combined, we'll make this hopefully a, a useful conversation. I, I'm sure it's going to be a great conversation. I'm sure it is. So, so you uh, are, I think, the founder of and now the chair of Life Labs Learning, uh, which is a, a pretty big company. Tell us about that. Yep. So Life Labs Learning, we do manager training, team training for over 2000 companies around the world. So we have trained in the past eight years, about 350,000 people at these companies. And our goal with all of the training that we do is to give people just the core skills, not all the skills, the most important skills they need to be able to collaborate more effectively, to be able to achieve amazing things together that they couldn't achieve on their own, which is not a given when people work together, so that these organizations that we serve can achieve their missions and their goals faster. Uh, and I can talk obviously about it forever, but at the end of the day, our passion is figuring out what are the skills that matter most and how do we get people to have true competence in those skills as quickly as we can. And a lot of these skills are what people call soft skills. What are some of those that you think are most important? You don't like that term any more than I do, but what, what is, what are some of those most important things? Yeah. So we call them core skills because it's, it's like, if you think about your core strength, if you just get really good at some of those really uh, foundational strengths, what we find really exciting about that is you don't have to get good at all the people skills, all the so-called soft skills. There's a relatively small number of skills that we found through our research tip over. In fact, we call them tipping point skills, tip over into so many domains. And so I'll just go really quickly through what we found in our research, particularly when we look at individuals with either form formal or informal leadership demands on their role. Mm -hmm. Number one, kind of most surprising to us was uh, what we put into the umbrella of coaching skills. So that's being able to ask really high quality questions so that you can help people develop their own capacity to solve problems and to have insights. So number one, coaching skills. Uh, number two, feedback skills. So being able to have those really open, transparent conversations where I can share with you what is the impact that I'm noticing of your behavior so that we can calibrate. Uh, then prioritization, leading effective one-on-ones, We've got strategic thinking, leading meetings effectively, leading change, and helping people develop uh, skills, really not just in terms of the skills that they need, but the skills that are going to be unlocking the organization's ability to achieve future results, not just present results. There are obviously many other important skills, but when we work with an organization and they're trying to figure out where do we start, almost always that's where we go. Let's check here. Are you really strong in those core competencies? If not, we see so much result so quickly as a result of focusing there. How oh, fantastic. Uh, now, I think uh, you've launched a nonprofit, Scarlet Spark. That's right. That leverages some of that 
capacity to help nonprofits in the animal welfare space. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, so I, I fell so much in love with what can happen when you give people the skills and the systems and the tools to be able to come together and have that coming together produce something so much bigger and more amazing than you could have even imagined. And I got to see that over and over again with our clients. One of the things I'm personally incredibly passionate about is kind of expanding what you might call our moral circle, thinking about who matters to us, who do we care about, who do we respect. And for me, that includes, ideally, we're expanding the circle with individuals so that we're giving that moral dignity to more and more people, but also to other species. And through Life Labs Learning and through other organizations I've been a part of, I was so focused on helping humans. And at this point in my, point in my life, what I really wanted to do was be able to help non-humans as well and, and really focus on animals. Um, and so thinking about where, what are the skills I have and what's the knowledge I have that could actually help animals, where I landed was being that spark for animal advocacy organizations so that they are able to achieve their missions faster as a result of having great leadership skills, great team, uh, both tools and practices, and as well as all the people system stuff. Like, how do you do performance assessment in a way that doesn't make people miserable, but actually unleashes their, their power to achieve amazing things? How do you build a culture where people are excited and delighted to go to work every day, not just because they care about saving animals, but because they're flourishing and growing and learning and, you know, developing these meaningful relationships. So, so much of what I got a chance to learn through building my own business and supporting our clients, I'm now getting a chance to apply through Scarlet Spark for, we think of them as animal loving organizations. So it's animal advocacies, it's plant-based foods, it's, you know, alternative protein companies, um, some rescues and sanctuaries, but really it's the people side of helping animals. Yeah. Well, and it's so incredibly important, right? Uh, all of these organizations have people uh, and it can be difficult work at times, I imagine. Uh, I think oftentimes... Oh, sorry. No, go <laughs> like, ahead. Uh, so, I, yes, I mean, you're, you're, I got excited about what you were saying because so often, you know, nonprofits, whatever their focus is, they kind of assume that they can keep people engaged and, and motivated just through the power of the purpose and the mission. And oftentimes our clients who are for profits are like, oh, if only we were a nonprofit, then people would really care about their work. Unfortunately, that's not enough. And oftentimes it's actually it almost makes you feel kind of trapped because you care so much about the mission, but you have a terrible experience at work. And those two things, we just have to do better and we can do better with for-profit and nonprofit organizations. Uh, it's it just, it's so much more joyful to have a workplace experience where you feel at your best. And those things are accessible if we take the time and the discipline to develop the necessary skills. Yeah. Uh, Gail McGovern, I, I think she still runs the American Red Cross, uh, told me uh, before, earlier in her career, she had run big sections of uh, Fidelity Investments and AT&T. And she admitted that she used to say things to diminish the significance of the work that they did. Huh. Uh, at those for-profit, you know, it's not like we're saving lives or anything. It's just, yeah. you know, we're just managing money. And, and she said she really learned to regret that uh, mm. because they, they were doing important things, right? Uh, right. And 
and so it correlates, I think, with this idea that you're you're building on that people need to enjoy what they're doing, even if they are doing something that they're passionate about. Uh, they've got to be able to work with the team, uh, collaborate, cooperate, uh, accept feedback, give feedback, all yeah. those difficult things, right? Absolutely. And I think one of the big misconceptions around how to get to that place where people are collaborating effectively, giving feedback, all that kind of stuff, is that we'll figure it out as we go along. We'll learn through experience. We'll learn it on the job. What we've learned through our research, our, our approach at Life Labs Learning is we kind of went into teaching these skills naive. We didn't want to assume there's a certain philosophy, there's a certain set of skills that matters. We went into it by really researching and studying organizations and seeing what are the skills that matter most? What are the, what are the practices that matter most? One of the things we found through our research is that how much experience you have in a leadership role, for example, is not a predictor of how effective you are as a leader. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's really hard to learn from experience. We don't know which thing we did last month resulted in someone quitting today. So right. I just think there's, it's like as a society, it seems we're really bought into this idea that being good at interacting with people is important, but I think we haven't quite recognized the diligence that it takes and the the, the even if it's playful and delightful, the gravity we have to give to developing the craft of working together. It's not like a thing that comes naturally to most of us, especially as diversity of individuals and thought increases, especially as we work at a distance. It's hard, but it doesn't have to be if we're treating the development of those skills with all seriousness, which is why we do what we do at Life Labs Learning. We wrote a book recently called The Leader Lab, where we try to make those skills even more accessible through the written word versus live yeah. live learning. As you think about uh, your your work at Scarlet Spark, especially, which comes out of life live learning, right? But but as you think about all of this, what underlies that is your passion for animal welfare. And I, I understand you've got more than twenty critters <laughs> living there on your. Are you counting your my home? husband? <laughs> we've got we've got 21 and then two human critters mean me and my husband <laughs> so we've got uh we've got for everyone's it's a very ragtag crew everyone's you know found or you know have joined us from a rescue or a sanctuary so we've got goats we've got pigs we've got dogs and we have one cat we would have more cats uh. but the cat said no <laughs> <laughs> cats don't like the, the pigs and the goats no he's fine with other species but oh. he, he he has uh made it pretty clear oh, to I us that he's not a fan of other cats so he's other he's cats i pigs. see he's fine with the dogs yeah 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 so yeah. you know that has also and it really got me through 2020 it, i was still co-ceo of, of life labs learning at the time oh my gosh what a stressful experience for for everyone even though it was one of our best years ever we, we did come sure. together and, and became so much stronger as i think as at least as a team within my company hopefully we've learned so much as a society too but being able to just step away and come hang out with my pigs and give them belly rubs and just <laughs> and have that that connection i think so many of us miss when you know we're just interacting with humans just even the, there's so much research that shows just just taking the time to go take a walk outside look outside at trees you know interact with with an, another species it, it's it's this obviously I care so much about the welfare of those animals, but I got to say very selfishly, it really supports my own welfare too. Yeah. Yeah. 
it is kind of a, a profound life lesson to begin to think of critters in a different sort of way. And uh, I admire your passion for that. Uh, I'm grateful that. for you. And it's interesting, like you said, I care about animal welfare. I, I, I don't even think of myself as like an animal welfare advocate because to me, caring for animals is also ultimately caring for humans. And I think the fact that we, we as a society have started to make all, not you obviously, but all of us, even in our language, make these distinctions of, you know, there are these people who have these beliefs and these people have these beliefs and these types of people and these types of species. But we are in relationship constantly in this incredibly dynamic relationship with other individuals who, you know, are our species and other species. And so ultimately I don't think of a trade-off of, am I helping people? Am I helping animals? I'm thinking about, you know, the, these particularly areas like factory farming or the impact that we have on deforestation and things like that. Yes, it's caring for animals, but ultimately it becomes this incredible win-win because if you help improve the lives of animals, it ultimately ends up improving the lives of humans too. So I think I try to think about it as overall welfare, um, but yes, very much uh, with the strategy of supporting animals. Yeah. Well, Tanya, you have accomplished a lot. Um, You do a lot of good in the world. Uh, I admire your work at Scarlet Spark. Uh, You know, Life Lab Learnings, I think you told me uh, for background that it was like a $30 million business. That's like a a serious (laughs) business. This is like (laughs) grown-up stuff. Uh, We don't act like grown-ups, so I'll tell you that. (laughs) And and, uh, I I just, I I truly admire you. I know a lot of people do. Um, I wonder, what is your superpower? I knew this part was coming. Uh, so I'm, I haven't prepped this, this answer. So I'm going to go with whatever tumbles out of my mouth. <laughs> I think that you know, so the thing that I hear most often from people in terms of a thing that they have found to be helpful about working with me is that my focus when interacting with anyone is how can I help them be more effective at whatever it is they want to be more effective at. Uh, I tend to look at every interaction for better or worse. I think there's some serious negative aspects of this as well, but I tend to look at every, every interaction through the lens of how can I help this individual or this group be even better as a result of us having, you know, collided together in time and space. (laughs) So it's almost like every interaction is my opportunity to make the place better than I found it. That is, uh, that really is kind of amazing. Um, As you think about your experience deploying this skill, uh, (laughs) this ability to to focus on helping other people, can you think of... uh, a specific example when you did that and had an outcome you're sort of proud of? Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, I, I, just this morning I was talking to a coworker of mine who has been at Life Labs learning for about seven years now. And back when I was teaching psychology at a university, she was a student of mine and Life Labs was, she, she likes to call it her first big girl job. And we were just talking about like, 
you know, what do you want to be doing at Life Labs? Do you even want to be exploring opportunities elsewhere? And she was like, man, I could do a lot of things now. I've learned so much. I've become this stronger, better person as a result of this experience. And to me, I'm just like, that's the most wonderful thing in the world to hear because I don't know, it feels like all the effort, all of the difficulty is worth it at the end if you have this individual who just doors have opened for them, you know? And, And she was this like very shy person, in many ways, very insecure. And now she's like, bold and confident and just, just powerful, just incredibly powerful. And to see that I played some small part in being a catalyst for that power. Yeah. yeah that feels really exciting. I I can relate to that only a little bit. I, I was not a great mass manager, but I ran a small firm for a number of years. And, and uh, I recently reconnected with one of the young women that worked for me, you know, it's her first job out of college. And uh, mm-hmm. now she's the CEO of this New York yeah. based, uh, you know, marketing firm. Uh, wow. She's a big deal. She's more, far more successful than I've ever been. And, you know, I don't deserve any credit for that, but I feel some, <laughs> feel some <laughs> pride in her success. Can, right. You can be a so, spark. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, maybe I was just a little spark. Yeah, that, that's how I, I, I try. I, again, wouldn't similarly to you would never take credit for where she is now, but to feel like, I played a role in where she is now. That feels like enough, you know, and, and, be- and yeah. better, I think, than if I felt like, oh, she's where she is because of me. But like, no, of course, she's where she is because of her. But yeah, I got to be the spark. Yeah, yeah. There's some role we played. Yeah. So I, I want you now to think a little bit about this because you spent your whole career, right? Teaching people about the core skills, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, I want to challenge you not to try to fit this into a core skill, a pattern, yeah. a, a rule, you know, Uh-oh. but I want you to think about, <laughs> I'll, I'll try <laughs> taking this, this, the superpower that you have of trying to focus on helping other people uh, in I think I understand it sort of be just your natural focus, right? Uh, And I want you to think about how you would coach someone to develop that skill. And maybe Mm. you'd say not everyone should, and that's fine. Let's say someone asks you, how do I develop that skill and employ it in my life? Because I aspire to that. That's a value I hold, but I don't necessarily do it. How do I learn from you? Mm. And I can't use our research. Oh, this is going to be. You really can, cool. you uh, you can, <laughs> but I want you to. Yeah. Dig okay. Deep. Okay. 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 I'll dig. I'll, okay. I'll tell you the first thing that comes to mind, and then I'll pause to try to dig deeper. <laughs> I think the first thing okay. that comes to mind <laughs> is the question skills piece. I think a lot of where the skill of helping comes into play is: Are you asking questions? that inform you or are you asking questions that enlarge the individual's way of thinking or seeing the world or seeing themselves? So I think a lot of it is a shift from talking in statements to really, really, really listening and asking questions that help the individual go to a place in their mind that they haven't been before. So I think that's kind of the surface level answer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Maybe the deeper level answer has less to do with skill and more to do with 
values. Because at the end of the day, even when I wasn't skilled as anything, <laughs> I, you know, I would like in fourth grade, I, I, for some reason, uh, campaign to be the vice president of the student council. And in fifth grade, I was the president of the student council. In third grade, I started the Power Girls Club because the boys had a Power Rangers club and they didn't allow girls. Mm -hmm. so, like, I was very bad at all the things, but I yeah. still had this conviction that, you know, my purpose is to make things better for others. And because that is a conviction, it makes it much easier to learn to figure out how to do that. If I didn't have the belief that, right, you know, it, it, life is better when my job is to make life better for others, why would I bother to go through the awkward, painful difficulty of learning how to truly achieve that result for others? So, yeah, surface level question skills, I guess deeper is, you know, who do you, who do you want to be? I, I've been thinking about probably since I was, I think it was like two and a half or three years old when I realized I was going to die. <laughs> I like remember the moment and I was like, oh, <laughs> life is short. And I think that comes yeah. with many drawbacks and, you know, it's, it's created probably a sense of urgency within my life that has some negative side effects too. But on the positive side, I, I always thought, you know, so many people talk about having regrets in life. And since I was a little kid, I was like, <laughs> I can have regrets in terms of bad decisions I've made, but I will not allow myself to have regrets in terms of not having done enough to, you know, to, to try to help, to try to make an impact. Um, so that sense of kind of mm, recognizing that time is limited and, this is my chance to do something good, to do something meaningful that ultimately drives the skill building. Yeah. I think that is really a, a profound observation. And yeah, I, I just want people to soak in that for a minute, that, that, that to buy into this idea that uh, if you really want to develop the skill to, to, focus on others. You have to accept, I think what you're saying, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what you, you have to accept that A, uh, you can, right. And B, you should, mm. right. Those, you have to adopt those values and, and have them become part of who you are in order well, to be successful at that activity. And I would even maybe tweak it to like, A, you can, and B, you get to. Because I think if I take mm -hmm. it, and I know that's a subtlety of language, and maybe I'm no, being it's important. Even, no, it's important. There's something about the should that feels like I'm being a bad person if I'm not helping. And I think right, that's very right. taxing and very heavy and and can oh. lead to a lot of like compassion fatigue. But yeah, I try to yeah. think of it as like, I get this many years to do some really cool stuff and make people's lives better, animals' lives better. And like, I think that drives a more kind of uplifting feeling versus a guilty, heavy should feeling. Oh, I don't think anyone should, honestly, like yeah. it would be great. And I do think our species has evolved to help each other, but at the end of the day, no one should, it's no one's responsibility to be helping, but we get to, and it's so amazing for us yeah. selfishly and to see the impact and the ripple effects that it could have on the world. So 
you know, I, I, I really like the way that you, you just were saying it because I never really connected the dots until I said it out loud. It's almost like the skill is just a strategy, but a strategy is useless unless you understand what your objective is. And so if your objective, you know, in my case is to, to, to simplify it, to help, then yeah, then, then it's kind of natural to pick the strategy of like, gosh, darn it, I'm going to develop this skill so that I can achieve that objective. It's really hard to know what skills matter or what efforts matter without the clarity of objective. Yeah. Well, uh, Tanya, this has been such a valuable conversation. I'm just, uh, I I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode over and over. (laughs) Uh, But thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Uh, thank you. I feel like I should be paying you for therapy. So I, I <laughs> before, before we wrap up, I, I, I know everyone is going to want to talk to you. And so tell people how they can connect with you appropriately, please. Okay. And, and tell people how they can learn more about Scarlet Spark and uh, how they can support your effort there. And I'm sure people will also want to make sure that they are taking full advantage of what Life Labs Learning has to offer and, thank and, you, thank you. and your new book. So it, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big assignment, but make the rundown, make sure people know how to yeah. do all of that stuff. All right. So if you're listening, you're like, yes, our organization needs skills for our leaders, for our managers, for our teams, lifelabslearning.com. The book version is called The Leader Lab, Core Skills to Become a Great Manager Faster. And if you are thinking, I want to support the work that Scarlet Spark, the animal advocacy support organization does, or if you are an animal loving organization and you do something where we can help, it's scarletspark.org. And then if you just want to see all the random stuff that I'm up to, it's tanyaluna.com, T-A-N-I-A-L-U-N-A.com. Fantastic. Well, Tanya, uh, thank you very much for being with us today. I, I want to wish you every success in your great work at Scarlet Spark and the great things that you're doing outside that. Uh, we just want to see you succeed in every way you can. Thank you so much. And thank you for being that spark for so many people out there. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show twice each week. We host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit DevonThorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.